Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It has been a huge week for Sunderland. We've won two on the road against Gillingham and AFC Wimbledon. A comprehensive 4-1 win midweek, which we all watched from home because uh, you're allowed I follow, well, the equivalent in this country. And then everyone watched it from Colorado or Arkansas at the weekend mm. uh, with the VPNs. James Hunter is here and he was obviously there taking it all in. Gav, you would have watched it from home, did you? I was in uh, Utah again. Utah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I wasn't there. I was working yesterday, but I've tracked it all on Twitter. Fine, I watched the full game. Good. We've got three different perspectives in, and I'm yeah. going to fire you questions about everything that happened. So, firstly, Gav, how are you doing? How's things? I'm very good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy that donut I just bought you? Yeah, I'm just trying to get it off my throat at the minute. Yeah, it's probably wasn't the stuff yeah. on the top before. <clears throat> there we go. Uh, Feel better. And we've also have the Chronicles, James Hunter. Yeah. You. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm good. My debut today. Here yeah. On Home and away. What was the last Sunderland game you missed? Uh, oh, crikey. Um, actually, yeah, I think the last Sunderland game I missed was the 3-0 Tyneway derby. Uh, the, uh, How did you miss that? Which one? one? Was the a few of them? On the 1st of February, would it have been? Be yeah, about 20, four or five years ago. Yeah, uh, only because um, it was my dad's retirement, so family came first, just for once. But I tore it up, actually, and I think that was the fifth Sunderland game I've missed in 20 years. Nice. So and that was a bad one to miss <laughs> it was a bad one to miss as things turned out which, but, which uh, one was that then was that the, the the comprehensive 3-0 the one where we actually killed them oh when Poyer was manager and yeah yeah oh, that was good yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I missed that one hmm. I was skiing you know my story with that I'd never missed an away derby since well my first ever one was the 2-1 in the rain when Phillips and Quinn scored so 2000 <clears throat> yeah and I'd never missed one um, and obviously we kept getting beat so I had the ticket for the De Cano derby um, and literally two hours before kickoff, I was like I don't want to go I, I think it's me I think I'm the bad luck yeah Do so you... I sold me ticket I sold me ticket and I um, I stayed in town to watch it and we won 3-0 so the next year when the Poirier 3-0 happened I was like well I'm not going so you missed both then so I'd, I, I'd bought me ticket and I passed it on to somebody uh, we won again and the winning run kept going didn't it and then I finally decided to go back when we drew one all. <laughs> so I think it's me. So you missed the last one at two one as well. I, I missed all I of them. I could have went to them because I had enough points to go to the games. I just decided not to. We kept on winning. Um, then I did go back and we drew one all. So next time we play Newcastle, I'm not going. Obviously, well, hopefully next season. Hopefully, yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm. I didn't know that, Gav. I'm quite interested. You see, I would always just go. I like, did blame myself afterwards. Well, it, like it was my fault. Mitrovic scored. It's, it's not. 
Because <sighs> there isn't such thing as jinxes. Everyone's got a jinx. So why would you? Why would you? Why are you that important? Well, the facts. You know, the there. facts. They're on the table. Yeah, but you've been there when we won, so it doesn't make sense. Don't don't bully us. <laughs> Were you there for the three-two defeat? Yes, when Emery scored. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was a good game. I know. Two right. good sudden goals marred by. Uh, I wasn't expecting to be talking about this right now. No. Anyway. Nice right. Okay. So I'm going to go over a quick uh, review of the game yesterday. So we lined up four-two-three-one. Although a lot of people seem to be thinking we're playing three at the back. Can we just clarify? Uh, uh, do you know what? Do you know what it is? Back. It's not. It's not a solid. It's not a solid system. Form. No. But in in now possession, it's slightly different. Yeah. Well, we asked. Um, Jack Ross exactly how it works and he described it as a lopsided 3-5-2 so that is the official verdict it is a black 3 wow mm. but I have to say, say to you you know looking at it the way the way that they line up it looks like a 4 but he said it is in fact a lopsided 3-5-2 well, the, nice. the left back basically plays on the wing doesn't he so I look forward to so playing he's talking it. about basically having you know one wing back Massively advanced, and then that leaves you with what looks like a four. But that guy is actually a fan. And Lennon Gooch maybe playing as a well. He, to be, he, yeah, Gooch is just up and down the line, so yeah, yeah. Gooch is just got energy. Yeah. And he just he just hugs the right hand side, so I guess he is. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you know, lopsided three five two. Uh, <coughs> Who cares? That win, so it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. I look forward to playing a lopsided three five two on every video game next year. Because <laughs> I always copy the Sunderland formation. I used to like that. Do you know when we used to play with Barini with the four three three kind of thing? It was with Allardyce. I had that. No, it wasn't. It was the Poyo where I had Bruni like left forward. Yeah, I yeah. just like always copying that. <laughs> random aside. So we started four two three one or three five two lopsided. Um, John McLaughlin and Nets. Donald Love, Reese James, Glenn Lubins, Jack Baldwin, midfield. Catamol Power. Then the sort of attacking foursome of Gooch, Honeyman, Maguire, and Josh Madger. And didn't really start great. Pickett opened the scoring with what I thought was a very good goal. Um, really good volley and surprising considering how wasteful Wimbledon were that they had a goal of such quality in them second half was better but I still think we were second best uh, probably fair to say or maybe drew the second half but Catamol follows up his own effort and then scores we've got an equaliser there 1-1 and then we're probably happy to settle for a point certainly knowing our group chat everyone was keen to get the point and get out there but Catamol scores a, a wonderful goal like a a stunning volley that's just so uncharacteristic for him to run from deep uh, so we came away 2-1 winners held on for a price of three points so I think the best place to start is Lee Catamore so James what did you make of his performance yesterday and maybe even the last four games I think I think he was excellent yesterday and I think to be honest with you he's been he's been very good as you say over these last four games um, I know that he polarises opinion there are people that think he's past his best there are people that saw him as part of this you know, inverted commas, rotten core. Uh, there are people that just think he, he's he been here too long and, uh, and needs to move on. But I still think he has something to offer. I think um, when you look at, at the team over these past few few years, he's been one of the, the few players that, you know, hasn't been swinging the lead. You can have your own opinion of him ability-wise, but I think, you know, in terms of his, his character and drive and desire to do well, uh, I don't think that you can, you can question that in him. And... I would always find a, a place for him in the team unless you can replace him with somebody better and that's going to be difficult to do in League One. Do you think he's going to be now first name on the team sheet provided he stays? Well, that's the big thing. Obviously, the, the finances are, are such that, um, you know, until that that 
uh, loan window or uh, you know continental transfer window closes on on the thirty first, um, we won't quite know whether he'll still be here or not. But I'd be quite happy for him him to stay if if the club can can afford to hang on to him. And I think Jack Ross would be too. I, th- I think that you know he wouldn't be in the team now if Jack Ross thought that there was there was any problem with playing him. Um, and I think that you could see yes yesterday, you know, just just what he does bring. I mean, it wasn't just his goals; it was his all-round performance. Um, you know, there was a whole lot more to it. Although, of course, the goals get the uh, you know all the attention, not least because he doesn't score that many. And do you think somebody like me, who was critical of Catamol a couple of weeks ago, um, but he deserved it in my opinion after that Luton game, was at fault for the goal? Do you think I should be eating humble pie, or do you think I should hold off on that for a few months because obviously he's, he's had. You know, four good games, but that doesn't necessarily make up for two bad years. I think I don't think that you should necessarily, um, you know, eat humble pie. I think that as with all these things, you know, forms up and down, and people's opinions change um, from, you know, maybe not match to match, but from from time to time in, in people's careers. Um, I think I, th- I think the the only thing that you can do is is you know keep your mind open and be prepared to uh you know to to change your view if you see evidence in front of you that you know that that causes you to do that and and i would say that games like yesterday um would put the case for catamull um i just say keep the situation under review yeah i'm i'm happy to eat humble pie if catamull keeps banging out them sort of performances gav what did you make of him yesterday um your, were you critical no, of catamull where you sit um, on the debate before these last four games yeah i mean before before he came to the team I was very much in favour of him of him leaving, I guess. Um I I find it difficult with Catamore because for a long time I really, really loved watching him play for Sunderland. Um I felt as though I felt as though that all of our hopes as a fan base at times hinged on him and how well he played. And under Poye for a while he was he was tremendous. Um but I just think that the last couple of years soured everything. But then what 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 it has become apparent in recent weeks is that the players that we've brought into the club very much fit into his mentality, the kind of person he is. Um and it's brought him back to life a little bit. Um so I'm like James said, the financial aspect of it, and I mean I'm a fan, I shouldn't worry too much about the financial aspect, but we do know that he's on a lot of money. Um and that if he is to leave, it's going to be quite difficult for us to get rid of him. So the fact that he is so professional on the pitch, I guess, and in training every day, is a little bit of a it's, it's a little bit warming, I guess, because he could he could him and Oviedo could have you know went down the the Gillibodji and and Dong route, route. Uh, yeah, and they could have they could have really you know um, they could have harmed the club, I guess, but he hasn't. He's he's dug in, and he for as long as he's here, he's going to give his best. I would imagine. Uh, whether he's still got the, he's still got the ability to compete um, every week. Uh, I, I guess at this level, yes, he does. Um, if we get promoted next season, it would be interesting to see how he fared because I thought he, you people forget this, but him and John O'Shea last season played pretty much every game. Um, uh, you know the. People seem to have this this feeling that they're not fit very often, but he was. He, he played probably through the pain barrier quite a lot. Um, so, and I thought he struggled last season, but everyone did. It would be interesting to see if he has a good season this year, stays fit, and um, we we'll get promoted, and he plays most weeks. It would be interesting to see how he copes next year, because this is a player who's played at the top level almost his whole career. It's not, 
it's not, it's not like someone like Max Power, for instance, who, though he's a very good player, is pretty much a League One midfielder and always has been. And he's now looking at Sunderland to kick on. This is like Lee Catmull's played in the Premier League until last year, 2017. He was a Premier League player his whole career. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. But um, I, I'm like you. I'm, I, I feel I feel like I, um, yeah, eat a little bit of humble pie because I had written him off, and he's he's done exactly what I'd hope all players in that situation were doing. He's proven people wrong. I think you made an interesting point as well because I think if you look back to the early 2000s when Kevin Phillips was here at Sunderland, there's a lot of people um, that still look back to his last season at Sunderland and mm. and uh, think that that he uh, sort of chucked in the, the towel through through some of that. And I know you've said that Catamull, um, you, you were on board with Catamull until maybe the last couple of se- seasons. Maybe there's been an aspect of, of, of that with, with him that he's been dragged down by by the general malaise around, yeah. around the club mm. in the way that Kevin Phillips was in that final season at Sunderland. You couldn't, you know, question Kevin's uh, contribution before that, but in that last season, he's himself admitted that he could see everything going wrong uh, around him, and maybe that affected him. And perhaps it was the same for Lee Catamall, and perhaps the change of ownership and management and the general positivity that that's that's coming around uh, around the club now has has sort of revitalised them a bit. We can't do anything about the money. The money's there. The contracts there. Um, that's just something that either the club has to bite the bullet and pay or has to say, well, we really can't afford to do this. We have to move him on. But from, from Lee's point of view, um, you know, he, he's proved that he's professional and, and for as long as he's here, which might be till the end of the season, might just be till the end of next week, he's going to you know, g- give everything um, that he possibly can. Uh, if he does leave, it will be interesting that uh, you know his performance... Uh, Yesterday would be his, uh, his swan song, of course. Mm. It's, it's, it's interesting to think, though, when McGeoch's back, you know, hard to envisage them dropping Max Power at the moment. He's obviously been a revelation since he's came in. So they do actually have their three players, and that's not even counting the likes of Ethan Robson and Luke O'Nine, who's behind um, Bally Mumber as well. So it's, he's got a lot of options, hasn't he, when everyone gets fit, and that's going to be the issue now, is where does everything fit together? And, you know... Who who are the the better two centre mids? Or do you just approach it game by game? Is Lee Catamull better suited to playing Wimbledon? But a home game against you know Oxford next weekend, are you best off playing Power and McGeoch? I mean, yeah. is is that how you should approach it? It's interesting you say that because Jack Ross has already said a couple of times that he picks his team week by week. So he he looks at training and he goes who who deserves to play and he picks a team based off that. Obviously, I mean the fact that Lee Catamull scored two goals yesterday probably means that he's going to play next week it'd be a bit daft if he didn't um, but I, I think the way Ross approaches it is the right way it's assess each game at a time don't don't think about right well they're me best too look at it and think this is a game where we're going to have to control possession a bit more and that's maybe where McGeoch will come into it for instance yesterday him coming on the pitch for me changed the game because I felt in the first half we didn't hold the ball at all possession I think we were sloppy in possession um, as soon as he came on we are just so much more calm I mean I know we weren't perfect but we definitely looked better on the ball with him just sitting in front of the midfield and to be honest him coming on released Catamol a bit who played further forward and got two goals which you know it's surprising but uh you listen, you listen to what George Honeyman said in his interview after the game on um, SCFC.com and uh, SCFC.com even and he um, he said that you know it didn't shock him that Catamore was able to score a goal like he did because his technique's brilliant well we've, to be honest we've never seen him in those sort of positions 
Um, and at times, well, yesterday, for instance, it, it, it worked out well. The week before, when um, I think it was Josh Madja's goal against uh, Scunthorpe, um, he was in a position where the whole crowd were asking him to shoot and he played a lovely little pass to the left and that led to Madja scoring. So, yeah, it's like I said before, the fact he's been a player at the top level for so long should mean that he should coast through games at this level, really. Um, and if he's fit and motivated, he's playing every week, isn't he? If he left now, um, I mean, if he left tomorrow, you'd struggle to replace him uh, with, with somebody of, of similar quality, you know, given the budget and everything else uh, that you'd have to work to before Friday, wouldn't you? You'd struggle to replace him in, in League One. Yeah, Someone, I'll, I'll, he, he would weaken the team if he left tomorrow. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I wonder if they've already bought his replacement, <clears> which is why we've got so many options now. I wonder if, whether... Because nobody could have seen this coming, surely, the last two weeks. No. Uh, he, he did seem very much out of favour. I mean, he played... Um, he, he was in the squad. Was he in the squad for the second game of the season? He, and he, was, just, he was not included in the first game. For, yeah, and that was he just wasn't in the squad at all. Yeah. And came down, oh, it was I think it was the Sheffield Wednesday game, I think they were like, right, last chance. And I think he's obviously taken, he's grasped it with both hands, hasn't he? Because it was a surprise to even see him start against Sheffield Wednesday, to be honest. I think it was interesting. I, I, you know, I have no evidence for this beyond my own personal belief, but I think maybe that first game of the season, um, given everything else that surrounded it and the 31,000 crowd and, you know, the positivity, I think possibly there was something at the back of the manager's mind that he didn't want to throw in Lee Catamull, somebody that polarises opinion and sort of have people you know half the crowd thinking it was a good thing and half the crowd thinking it was a bad thing maybe he felt it was better to keep everybody on board and and not include Lee and also you know I guess Lee didn't know what kind of reception he might get yeah in that game yeah. uh, that's just my my own yeah. personal personal view sometimes these things have, have an impact as well he wouldn't have known what reception he was going going to get he represents the old era doesn't he that that was certainly the impression so I can't understand that anyway uh, I'm going to move quickly on to a negative is you know should we be worried that you know I would throw this to James. Should we worry that we, we aren't playing well, first and foremost? Yesterday, I would say nine times out of ten, we'd lose that game. Like, I know they can talk about, you know, a, a champion's kind of performance, you play bad and you win, but, you know, they miss some sitters. Is it a worry that, you know, we aren't playing great? You know, will somebody, you know, actually hammer us at some point down the line because of the performance levels, you know, aren't quite there? Or should we just be happy that we're winning? Um, well, I, th- I think that, that there will be games which uh, which Sunderland will lose that nobody nobody will see coming. You'll you'll go somewhere and and somebody will, will you know score three, maybe even four, and you'll think, well, you know, never never saw that coming. Um, but I think that that when you're in a a little spell, I mean, Gillingham and Wimbledon fitted in the same bracket. Really, Sunderland could easily have lost both those two games, um, but didn't. And that's the key thing. The point is that they had those two games, didn't play well, but still got the points. And and that's that's the important thing because there's still time then. Because you feel if you get the points when you're not playing well, hey, when things finally click, you know the the rest should come, you know, a lot easier. And uh, and I think there's something to be said for that. So don't forget, Sunderland are still um, are still a bit of a work in, in progress in the fact that not all the players are fit, and and this probably isn't the the team that Jack Ross would pick if everybody was fit and available um, you know there's still Charlie White to come in um, Dylan McGeek isn't quite ready to start start games yet um, you know obviously further down the line you've got Duncan Watmore and, and uh, Aidan McGeady also to come in and obviously it depends how you put those together but uh, you know this team will get better from where it is now but if you're winning games in the meantime it's only good Brilliant. No, I, I wouldn't say we're not necessarily playing very well I think 
think the Scunthorpe game is probably the most professional oh, yeah, Sunderland Scunthorpe performance is. I can remember in God years. Um, but obviously the last two performances haven't been great. But then you've got to remember both away from home, so that totally changes the dynamic of the performance. You know, when you're away from home, um, the home team's expected to come on to you quite a bit, which both times they did. And like you, you rightly said. Um, better teams might have punished us, I think, but um, they didn't. That's a, they didn't. That's a fact. You can only beat what's in front of you, I guess. What what it what it does um, for me show is that we have a lot of quality, um, and like James says, when when things really get taken over, makes you wonder how good we could be, because you know yesterday, for instance, Josh Madger probably had his first poor game of the season, um, in three four weeks time you're going to have a fully fit Charlie White you know what I mean so yeah so if Madger's having a poor game you're going to have options I mean in, in League One as well I mean Wimbledon played some uh, you know very direct football but they didn't have create a lot of chances and on another day um, the lad Trotter in particular could have had two or three goals and but that's the difference in, in League One if you need five or six chances to score a goal then you're going to going to struggle particularly if you're playing against a team like Sunderland that for all there's only Josh Madger in there at the moment who's the you know the the natural striker um you know they're, they're a lot more ruthless aren't they as, as they proved at Gillingham as well I think they've got goals everywhere on the pitch don't they you know you look at every single position apart from possibly right back with Matthews and Love but everywhere else it looks like there's going to be goals in that team mm. so that that's a positive and I think the fact we're so clinical you know that's got to be t- I mean on against Gillingham I think we had pretty much four or five shots on target score yeah. four goals confident teams don't need a lot of chances to score goals like last season you wouldn't have seen players like Honeyman take I know Honeyman scored a lot of goals but the, the, the goal he scored in midweek I mean that's just confidence it's like oh, I'm just going to hit this and it's going yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and how often do you see that and I, I always remember this um, I think I think it was when O'Neill was manager and Craig Gardner used to just hit things from anywhere and it would always go in. And at that time, we were scoring all kinds of goals. I remember Fraser Campbell scoring a couple of worldies. And I, know, I remember thinking at the time, it's just confidence. Yeah. And at that time, we were playing with confidence and the players weren't scared to shoot from... It didn't matter where they were. That was ridiculous. We were scoring yeah. literally every time they seemed to shoot from range. Yeah. It was flying well, at the top. That, it reminds me of all the difference. And George was like that last season, as you say. And, and when was the last time uh, you you remember seeing Lee Catamall in the six yard box? Both his goals were, were in yeah. the six yard area yesterday. When do you see Lee Catamall in the six yard area? But if you're confidence, uh, you know, then you know, comes that's where you eventually. go. Um, I want to go through. We'll try and do this every week. Um, sort of, you know, each player individually from the game yesterday. Obviously helpful for me who wasn't there. Um, we'll start obviously from Nets McLaughlin how did he do he looked a bit shaky on the highlights but I don't know if that was you know maybe didn't me. Have a lot. I didn't think he actually had loads to do um, he you know he, uh, what I like about McLaughlin is he's just he's good at everything he's not spectacular at anything but he's good at everything he's so well rounded that's just I mean I watched um the Forest Birmingham game yesterday and oh. watching Pantillamon and Camp yeah. you know what I mean like that's what we've become used to other, with the exception of Pickford in the last couple of years we haven't quite had a, a keeper who can do everything and McLaughlin for me I know he, he was a probably could have done better for the goal midweek uh, Tommy Hughes' goal at Gillingham um, but to, to be honest other than that I don't think he's put a finger wrong Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd agree I mean he, he came out 
take a take a cross in midweek at Gillingham and sort of got caught up in traffic, which is what led to to that goal. But um, yeah, I don't think you could blame him for for the goal against Wimbledon. He had to come for a lot of crosses. There was a lot of physicality um, uh, yesterday at Kings Meadow because uh, Wimbledon are very much like the Wimbledon of old, really. Um, and and also Sunderland were pretty poor at stopping crosses, so he had an awful awful lot of balls whizzing across the penalty area. Um, and I thought he dealt with them pretty well. Move on, Donald Love. Not a, not a great performance. Possibly at no. fault for the goal. Yeah, I think I think the cross that came in, he he's got to do better. He he does he does very little to stop the lad getting past him and putting it in the box. Um, I don't think they score that goal with Adam Matthews at right back. I mean, I don't think Matthews is a fantastic player, but he's certainly a lot he more do wily. Much wrong, though, does he? No, the problem with Donald Love and I, I really want to like him and I really want him to succeed, but. It doesn't matter. I mean, in the Premier League, I thought, well, if we go down, he's going to be all right in the Championship. When in the Championship, he struggled there, give or take a few performances. So I thought when he went down this season, I thought he's going to really grasp this. And he just doesn't seem to carry himself in the way that the other players do. He's not got the he's not got the confidence yet. I don't know what that is. I don't know whether he's got to play more regularly. He is in and out of the team. That's maybe the one thing with Donald Love. He doesn't play every week. He's either injured or Matthews becomes available and he's dropped it's you know but I thought yesterday he, he was poor for the goal to be honest yeah as I said you know they let um, too many crosses in into the box yesterday and that was one of them uh, he got past Donald Love much too easily of course if the lad isn't on the end of that cross and, and to score the goal then nobody would think too much about it it's just the fact that it happened to be the, the one time or one of the times that he breezed past Donald Love and the cross came in, that's where the goal came from. If that wasn't, if the goal had come from one of the other crosses, then yeah, then you, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have seemed half so bad. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought he started he started pretty shakily yesterday, but he improved. So you know, um, I thought he, he was heading in the right direction. He is carrying this uh, the after effects of this uh, ankle injury which he got on the opening day. Whether that had an impact, who knows. You never know. You never know what's happening with injuries and stuff. If yeah, that's what I mean when I say he's heading out the team quite a lot. Yeah, it's not good for any player, is it? Yeah. Right, central defence, James. What do you think of? Uh, well, yesterday we had a, a change around at half time as well, but Baldwin in particular at the minute he, he seems to be impressing everyone. Certainly me, I think he's I think he's been a great signing. Looks really classy. Yeah, yeah. Um, he seems to be growing growing in confidence. He's obviously played at, at this level, so he knows what to expect. Um, he, you know, he's only young, but he looks like he's got plenty of now. So you know, he uh, he reads the game well, and and I thought he did really, uh, you know, really well yesterday. And to be honest with you, against Gillingham as well in midweek. Mm. I think they've got a bit of well, looking at the model that they were talking about when they came in here, the Dortmund model. He's a player that you can who looks like he's got retail value. Like he's not worth yeah. two hundred thousand pound now, is he? He yeah, continues no. this form. You're looking at maybe, you know, look at Dan Byrne, just went yeah. for six million at Brighton. He could be that kind of level. Yeah, player. Um, Leuven's went off at half time injured. I don't know what the um, uh, said his groin started to tighten up on him. Uh, Ross said he could have carried on, but they just decided to take take him off just to make sure. Obviously, playing three games in in the space of a week, um, it's quite, quite well. a lot. Yeah, yeah it's, it's quite a lot for him. So they decided to take him off rather than take any any risks. And in a way, I was uh, what was quite pleasing about that is that Oz Turks had a pretty torrid start. Um, every time I've seen him so far, but when he came on, he did okay. Mm. He wasn't brilliant. He wasn't wasn't you know Franz Beckenbauer, but he you know he he was absolutely fine. So you know that in itself was was a positive to take from the game. I think. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't disagree with that. Yeah, it's um, good, good to get a bit of confidence from. Yeah, yeah. Us too, yeah. Um, I was I was pretty disappointed with him with the first time I seen him, which was at Darlington. Um, and then just every game since, really. Well, Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a... He'd actually... Do you know what it is in that game? He played all right, but he made one really bad mistake. And you do... Th- Fear players, especially central defenders, if they've got one bad mistake in them every game. Titus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone like that. But just to, be, I know I'm going back on this, but Baldwin. Um, I think one thing which at least gives us confidence with Baldwin is that he he spent pretty much all of last season playing alongside Stephen Taylor, who I would say him and Leuven's are quite similar. Yeah. You know, the slower, older defenders. Um, it stands him in good stead for this season because he he's not he's not coming in going Jesus Christ what I'm having to do all this guy's work he's used to that he's 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 played alongside a similar sort of player for a long time at Peterborough um, and and came here and to be honest he makes Leuven's look better because of the way he covers over the ground um, and I I know we don't really I know James said oh, it's a lopsided three in the man uh, three at the back formation but I, uh, you know in a, in a traditional uh, five at the back or three at the back. It would be nice to see how he does in that because he's just so calm and collected, and it's like having another midfielder because he, he, the way he brings the ball mm-hmm. forward, he, he he comes into midfield and it immediately pushes the rest of the team ten yards up the pitch. And like compare that to last year when you had Wilson and O'Shea who couldn't get past the halfway line. I mean, Corny trying to play these it to- 50, but it totally cha- fifty yards. Ball. It totally changes the way you start an yeah. attack when you have a player who can do that. That's why I mean you watch John Stones do it for England and, and Manchester City and it it's great because the player gets the ball at his feet and, he, and he'll carry thirty yards and the rest of the team has to push forward and it immediately puts pressure on the other other players uh, from the other team and I, I just think he's been a great sign so far I think I think if this is just what was you know the, the beginning then I think he's going to be a fantastic player for us and it it I do find it baffling how you know there were quite a few people fans who weren't keen on him. Um, I, that, I find it odd because he just stands out like sore thumb to me he looks like a player who is far better than League One move over to left back uh, Oviedo came on for James um, in the second half didn't he changed the game for me yeah, yeah changed it a lot well, why do you think that is what, what do you think <coughs> the, the, is it just because Oviedo had different qualities or is it just because you had to get him on eventually we were losing better. the game weren't we at the yeah. time so you had to get him on because he's such a good player he's been he's been fantastic this season so far Um I like Reese James. Don't get us wrong. I think he's. A, I think he's. He he from he is a far better defensive fullback than Oviedo is, because there's a, there was a couple of times, particularly in midweek, um, he made some great tackles. Yeah. Just he co- yeah, he's a good player. Um, I know he's, you'd you'd think someone so small because he is quite small. Think someone like that would be a good attacking fullback, but he is. He's all right going forward. Don't get us wrong, but defensively, he's a lot more solid than Oviedo is. So it's good to have. Two very good options in that position, um, and it just showed yesterday we needed some more um, attacking impetus in the final third. So we brought Oviedo on, and it, and again that that pushed the team up ten yards. And um, it yeah, it's it's nice to have them both because there could be a situation next week where Oviedo starts and James maybe has to come on while we're trying to see the game out. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it, yeah I, I quite I quite. I quite like Oviedo's performance yesterday. I think he um he adds us a lot, especially at this level. He's mm. he's comfortably one of the best players in this division. Similar to Caramel James, do you think it's one of them where if they keep them happy days, but if they get a chance to move them, then maybe they should. It's it's very similar to Caramel, and and so far as we know, we've said about about the money, but also 
he has that extra bit of quality that in League One makes all the difference. Reese James is a perfectly fine, acceptable League One uh, fullback, and and you know no problem in in that department. But Brian Oviedo is a level above that, and and it shows. Um, and if he's in your team, um, it's a huge asset for Sunderland this season. Uh, you know, in, in trying to win promotion, just as Catamol is in the middle, that that bit of quality makes all the difference because most teams nearly all the teams in fact in, in League One don't have that in, in these kind of positions they, um, so if Sunderland can keep those players and I, again everything's with the proviso of the finances but if they can keep those players then it, it can only help them it's not like you're ca- carrying two dead weights which you would be if if it, if it was Gillibodji and Ndong that, that were staying you've got two players here that really add something to your team and approaching the games in, in, the, in the right way um, and, and would be a, a massive asset I do. I do wonder if um, teams who were humming and hawing over Catamon Oviedo before they came back in the team um, have watched it and went, "Cool, well, I think we've got to make a make a real play to get these two. Yeah, I think I think that come deadline day you'll see a, a vast increase in um in, in into the in teams interest. that are certainly even a Premier League team might look at Oviedo. I don't know so much Catamon, but Oviedo and be like, "Oh, we need a left back. We just had an injury at left back and he." Yeah. Well, he can play it. You're telling me he's not better than Stephen Ward at Burnley yeah. or someone like that? Well, he, no, he's a Premier League left back. He has been. I mean, last year he wasn't great, but you know, there's all sorts of things happening. But I just think that a team like that may look at him and go, mm. he, he, he would offer us a lot that what current left back doesn't. Mm-hmm. And he's playing well, comfortably the one of the better players in Sunderland's team start of the season. I, I'm a little bit worried that might happen. I, I want to keep them both now. I do. Um yeah, I, th- I think I think Oviedo is just a, a class apart at this level. Right, we'll jump into midfield. We've obviously talked about Catamol, so we'll skip him, but we'll talk about Max Power and Dylan McGeoch obviously came on as well for him. I'm surprised, I, I saw on the Rogue Report's Twitter that even we were surprised uh, that they made that substitution, but it, it seemed to work, didn't it? Yeah, uh, Power in the first half was probably the only Sunderland player trying to force the issue when we got near a goal. shots, didn't he? Uh, very close as well. Um but we weren't holding the ball enough. He's he, he can be a luxury at times, um, I guess. So he, although he's a very very talented player, I don't get us wrong. I just felt that game maybe didn't suit him as much. Um, the ball was going over his head a lot from from Wimbledon's perspective, anyways. So um, what we needed then was somebody to feed the ball to who could be creative with it from deep, which is why McGeoch came on, and he was superb. I thought uh, I read I just rate him so much. He's one of those players who. You wouldn't notice half the things he does in the game if you don't stare at him and, <laughs> and really focus on what he's doing. Because he might only be playing a five-yard pass, but he might have carried it five yards and he might have just sent the you know the opposition player five yards deeper and then he might play it. You know, he plays it in areas which other midfielders maybe don't. Um, but I thought him coming on the pitch yesterday was a big factor in us getting back into the game at ones each. Because he, like I say, he freed up Catamol to get forward a bit. He freed up Honeyman to get forward a bit because they know how good he is and they know they can just let him do what he needs to do. Um, so there's no complaints from me from that perspective. I don't think Power's got anything to worry about. He didn't play badly. It was just a tactical change that needed to be made and it, and it worked. James? Same yeah, same. I, I mean, you know, I think Power was slightly, Max Power was slightly below his, uh, uh, the levels that he's put in in the previous games um, in yesterday's match. And, uh, uh, 
you know, Ross said afterwards that uh, that he got a, a slight knock in training, which was possibly hampering a bit. Hence the the substitution. Um, but McGeoch, uh, particularly in pre-season, which is where I've seen him play most of his his football, obviously uh, so far, um, is an excellent player, and I think he, he'll be one of the the key men for Sunderland this year. Uh, he and Lyndon Gooch were. Uh, um, were the two that worked the short corner for for the equaliser? Um, you know, just as a small example of a direct impact he he had there. Um, how, it, as we said, you know how it all fits together when everybody's fit and if Lee Catamore stays, when you've got Power and Honeyman and McGeek and you know everybody else all competing for those same uh, positions in the middle of the pitch, you know on on Iron as well um, is is anybody's guess. But you know, I. I for me, he'll certainly be, uh, you know, a regular starter once he's uh, once he's fully up to speed. You mentioned Gooch. What do you make of Gooch? But Gooch so far has been brilliant. But yesterday, uh, how did he do? Um, yeah, Gooch has been brilliant so far. Yesterday was one of his quieter games by by his standards this season. Um, but he still did well. He still caused problems. Um, you know, you can't be, you know, absolutely outstanding and blistering in every single game. And he certainly wasn't yesterday, but um, you know he was—he certainly wasn't, uh, uh, you know, a passenger by any stretch of the imagination. He, you know, he, he looks really, really top quality at this at this level. Um, you know, he looks—he looks as though he's, he's, you know, he's playing a level, but at least one level below where he should be. And uh, you know, he, he'll be another player that that will be absolutely crucial for Sunderland. Um, you know, if they're going to win promotion. Moving moving across to Honeyman, we we get accused at Roker Report of being um, Honeyman lovers. We rate him <laughs> too highly, according to some. Others agree with us and think that he's a great player. But what do you make of the Honeyman debate? And you know, firstly, should he have been named captain? And, and secondly, you know, is he as good as what we think he is, or is he as bad as what other people think? Where do where do you lie on that? Um, I really like George. I mean, I've seen, I've seen George come through all the way from the under twenty ones, as it used to be in 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 those days. You know, from from watching them, uh, I think that that he's one of these players that uh, he's a bit he's a bit of a coach's player, and and that it's, you know you don't really see exactly what he does. Um, you know, just from a from a, a surface view of it, it's not until you dig a bit deeper and. Sometimes you, the, you know the coaches look at the figures and things that you actually see. You know his his, his stats and uh, the passes that he makes and the the, the ball retention that, that makes all the difference. And then you can see why uh, he's rated so highly by by successive managers. As far as the captaincy goes, I think it was quite a statement to give it to a, a local lad and, and an academy product. It was a, a kind of a statement of of where the club's going. Uh, I can I can. You know there were there were obvious choices that were overlooked. You know Leuven's, or you know at that time Catamol's role was still you know future was still very much up in the air. So I can understand why he wouldn't get the the armband. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a good choice. And uh, um, the big the big factor now, uh, as I keep coming back to, is uh, he's he's got to play well to keep that place in the side. Do you think his his place isn't necessarily secure? I mean, he is playing well. He's got a very good goal midweek, so uh, there's any danger of him dropping out. I don't think anybody's place should be secure. I think it's I think it's it's great that they're all on the tours because there are, over recent seasons there have been too many players that have been automatic choices either through you know necessity because there's been nobody else or uh, you know s- some other factor in there. So I think it's good that everybody is on the tours and knows they have to deliver. Uh, Gav Maguire, you're you're a fan of Maguire. You've really yeah. liked him since he came in yesterday. Got an assist. Yeah, I thought you. I thought he was a, like like maybe Gucci. He didn't play badly, but he was a little bit quieter than he normally is. Um, 
but he's a quality player and he comes up with moments of quality when you need it exactly like he did when we, we got the winner um, I mean it was a great ball in he, he sees he sees players five seconds before the rest of the the rest of the players on the pitch do getting into positions like he, I mean he put that ball in a back stick and I don't think anyone expected Catamore to to get on the end of it but he did um, and that's why he's such a valuable player to Sunderland because he is he, he's, he's got bags of quality and let's not forget um, although he played for Bury last season and Oxford the year before that he had spent majority of his career playing in the championship with Chef Wed um, and he's 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 an experienced player he's quite clearly vocal um, a big influence on the other players I think in terms of his personality uh, and again he's just he's just he's got a little bit something extra which other teams don't like maybe if a if a Wimbledon or a Gillingham had a player like Chris Maguire in their team they might they might have won the games against Sunderland where they didn't um, that's Hopefully, where he'll he'll set us apart um, by by being such a a clinical assist maker, I guess. Because he, it's I know he's got two goals already this season, but he he isn't selfish. He he works hard and he and he tries to create chances. So um, I've got, I thought yesterday, although he was a little bit quiet, he he made all the difference on the goal, didn't he? Yeah, and Madger up front. You said Gav that he had his worst game. Well, worst game this season. Obviously, that's saying a lot considering yeah. he scored at every game before. But James, what did you make of Madger in next week? Charlie White maybe yeah. fit, possibly. So I think we'll see that against change. against Wim- Wimbledon, um, there was such a big, powerful team. I think he got bullied, and you could. It was really the first time this season that the fact that he's a, he's a nineteen-year-old lad sort of came to the fore. He was he was. Kind of you know roughed up and bullied a little bit, so it was uh, his, his you know least effectual game of the season, um, and of course he didn't score. So Dave Halliday can rest rest in peace for an, uh, another year. Um, yeah, his record of uh, you know scoring in the first eight games of the season from the nineteen twenties that's uh, that's gone for another year. But uh, Josh Madger did pretty well to to get as far as he did with a goal in the first four. So I think that you know one. Poor performance in five games is is not too bad, and uh, if he, if he can keep that ratio up between now and the end of the season, then that'll do. It'll be good also for him to have that. Um, I mean, I know he'll want that position himself, but it'd be good for him to know that the pressure isn't actually all on him when White hopefully comes back this week. Because I think that was when we were talking about uh, White being back this uh, week. Potentially, yeah. Provided back in he training, gets, I yeah, think. Yeah, said so he could make the bench for Oxford. Yeah, um, I think he will. Like, I think he'll be there if he if he trains well and he's and he's not. Um, He's not feeling the effects of his injury. I think he'll be on the bench. He has to be, really. Um, but we might not see him for a while starting games because it's a lot of time he's missed. You know what I mean? He, he was, yeah, he was, he was pretty much through pre-season with Bradford, so he, he'll still be fit from that. And he'll have obviously still been working in the gym and things like that. But it's not the same as stepping out on the pitch, really. I would like to see him get a couple of under twenty threes games. I know we've got um, Stoke in the Czech Trade Trophy coming up. That's maybe a game he should be starting in, um, but. I think the luxury we've got when we've got a player like Madger, who is, although he didn't play very well, scoring goals, um, the luxury we've got there is there's no pressure just to throw White in. So um, if the situation calls for it, then he's there. I mean, at the weekend, uh, yesterday, we could have probably done with him. A player like that, someone where the ball stick up from when we have because we had to go quite long in the second half at times. Um, and obviously when Wimbledon were... Wimbledon were doing nothing. It would have been handy for somebody like White just in that position who could have held on to the ball a bit more. Good too from set pieces to have him. You know. Maguire's deliveries and and 
I mean, defensively, especially as well. Oh, well, yeah, both ends of the pitch, yeah. I mean, it was one of the big things in the summer, wasn't it, that we needed more physicality and more height in the team. And I do think we've added a fair bit. I don't think it's perhaps as much as people were expecting. Um, I think people might have preferred us to go out and get a big centre mid. We didn't, but I don't think it's been an issue because of the way Ross plays. He plays a style of football which definitely suits smaller, hard-working players. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about the fact that we haven't conceded from open play yet. That's something that we're... I think it's been a little bit overlooked because we have conceded a few goals but they've all been generally set pieces so worry number one is is they've been set pieces which obviously means that maybe we're a bit weak there but the fact we haven't conceded from open play in five games is something you know we should all be very happy with I think Jack Ross will be delighted with it Yeah I must admit I hadn't put put that together um, you know so yeah um, I guess it's a double edged sword isn't it, it it's good that you that you haven't conceded from, from open play in that way but then people will say that set players are the one thing that you can prepare for um, so you'd have to look at it and find out whether it's just uh, bad luck or you've been undone by a good set piece or whether there's some kind of issue there that, that need, needs addressing but uh, I think when you um, when you look at Sunderland's record overall up, up to now you know they haven't con- conceded uh, more than once in a game yesterday, uh, yesterday might be normally actually yesterday um, um Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> Sam's just wrong there. I must have heard that old story. Yeah. Well, well, until yeah, yesterday. No, yesterday. Until yesterday. Somebody's yeah. probably shouting at this podcast. Somebody oh, probably probably is, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll have about 20 years. Take me your word for it. Yeah. Well, just be directed at me. Yeah. It was Ash Connor Bromley who said that. So. <laughs> Shout at Bruce at me. Right, we've got some... Uh, are we all finished with the game? Have we all said what we wanted to say? Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would say is just that we have to remember that this squad's been stretched a little bit. There's not been. A, I mean, you look at the bench in the last three or four games. We've had very little on the bench. Although the subs did make the difference yesterday, my point is that we've had probably the same fifteen or sixteen players in all of the games, give or take. Um, so when when performances dip slightly, when you've had so many games in such a short space of time, without really the the opportunity to change it up, and don't forget we've been winning as well. So the manager might might be a, bit, a little bit less inclined to change the team. Um, you are going to see a dip in performance levels, but hey, I'm not complaining as long as we're winning. I didn't at one nil down with what what was it about half an hour to go yesterday. I never thought we were getting back in the game. I thought I was sat there thinking this is probably the the worst performance we've we've had in a while. We were really poor for a long part of that game, but we did what all good sides do when we managed to build up the courage to get forward and score goals. And um, the players will take a lot of heart from the performance. It'll not. It'll, they'll not dwell on the fact we played poorly they'll look more towards the fact that they were able to show character and get back in the game and we've, we've, we as fans have got to respect that as well and think you know this is a team who doesn't give up quite clearly we've been behind a few times already this season and, and managed to win games so we have nothing to worry about from that perspective and it's a stark contrast to last year really when we went behind pretty much every game <laughs> um, and, and never came <clears> from behind just to win the game um, this is a different team with a different mentality, um, with players who are better suited to the situation we're in, and um, they deserve our support again for the for the rest of the season. In my eyes, I don't, I can't, I can't foresee this being a bad season for as long as everybody's on the same page, and I hope that remains the same. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. One thing that's <clears throat> very, very different, very noticeable, particularly, um, you know, for for someone like me, and I'm sh- I'm sure you guys too, but um, it's it's the it's the 
the mood change around the club from from the fans, and I notice it the most because uh, you know my Twitter stream can you know has been a fairly poisonous place for the last two <laughs> two years, um, but you know it's 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 been a much more positive, uh, much more uplifting um, environment on social media, and, and I think that social media is just sort of a magnifying glass to the bigger picture. Really, if things are going badly, then that magnifies it, and if things are going well, it magnifies it. Um, so yeah, it, it makes the club, from my point of view, much easier to cover and a much more pleasant experience to yeah, cover I can imagine I can imagine we've all sort of had that positivity as well at Rogue Report right section 2 so we've got some general questions some for James some just to throw out there first one uh, you know both of you are probably worth asking this actually do you see any player joining on loan before the window shuts James I'll throw it to you first though. yeah I think there'll be certainly one will will join um We've said many times that, that they need a uh, you know an extra striker. There's not enough um, firepower in the squad for a team that wants to finish um, you know in the automatic promotion places. Um, Jack Ross was saying yesterday that he, he wants somebody really that can that's capable of playing through the middle or or out out wide. Um, so it sounds as though he's, he's looking for somebody that can play that dual role rather than two separate players. Um, so my guess is that there will be somebody else that joins this week, and if um, Jilabodji and Andor and Dong uh, are moved out uh, in the process, then that'll that'll certainly help uh, that come about. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think. Um... One one thing which Jack Ross is, is he's very specific about what he wants in, in a player. So I, I think it's quite clear we probably could have had a player by now, but he, he's been very specific over what he wants. And, um, you know, they the did want Billy Sharp for a while, didn't come off for a variety of reasons. Although um, when you're looking at him now, he's playing pretty much every week for Sheffield United and scoring goals. It was probably maybe a bit unrealistic to expect that we could have done that, but fair play for them trying to do it and certainly offered enough money to get him, yeah. Um, but in terms of what he wants in, in, a, in a player, I think he wants somebody that can maybe develop. So maybe that's why you won't see an experienced player coming through the door. Do you mean, um, so do you think it'll be a loan that they'll sign permanently? Yeah, I, th- yeah. I would think so. Yeah, I mean... You, been, there's been quite a lot of rumours around Ryan Christie, hasn't there, from um, Celtic, who I think is more of a central player, if I'm honest. Uh, plays play in the middle of a three um, in the centre of the park or out wide. Um, I, don't I thought know. he was more like a winger. Yeah, like a right back, right winger. No, centre midfield player, number 10 winger. He does play a few positions, I think. So he's a, he's a versatile, but, he's a Tom Flanagan, but attacking. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. Would, that would, you know, that's, that kind of fits the lead template that uh, Ross was talking about yesterday doesn't mm, it yeah it's good though when you can because we were talking about that 3-5-2 weren't we or 4-4 uh, 4-2-3-1 the good thing is is that he has players in that team who actually can fill in a few different positions so I think I look at Max Power and I'm like I would like to see him behind the striker yeah you know I know we've got players playing there but if there was an injury it could be almost a blessing to see him go that little well, bit further you look, you look at the, you look at the fluidity in the, in the team you don't really have to, creative players you don't have to give them a defined role you know what? what's Chris Maguire I was I, I was remember um, actually one of the lads on the site wrote this, but it was yeah reminders of it. Um, Brendan Rodgers calling players like Suarez a, a nine and a half. They're not a nine or a ten. They're a nine and a half. I guess that's what Chris Maguire is in the Sunderland team at the minute. He's he's not really playing on the left wing, is he? He um, he, he drifts a lot and he he gets into pockets of space to try and cause problems. And that's you know it, a player who's capable of doing that job will thrive in this system so 
it'll be interesting to see if 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 Aiden McGeady's fit and motivated. It'll be interesting to see him playing this team because yeah. uh, I think he could really cause damage at this level, particularly when he's given the freedom to do what he wants. Provided he works hard, of course, because that's not to say Chris Maguire doesn't. He he works very hard. Um, but it would be nice to see them two competing for a slot. Well, it's interesting. Leighton uh, has asked a question. <laughs> why? Who do you think will make way? Slash, what will we do with Aidan McGeady when he comes back from injury? So, presumably, he'll have to deal with a bench to begin with and then eventually he might get a, a role in the team. But where does he fit in? Does he fit in that Maguire position? Is that going to be a like-for-like like almost? Well, it depends. If if uh, Ross keeps with the same formation, then I guess that will be the most logical place to put him. But where you then shift Maguire to and who misses out as a consequence suddenly you you've you know you've got a real um problem well you you can't cram everybody into the same lineup in the same starting lineup every week and so maybe that's a good thing in a way because it'll it'll mean that when you you have a program like that three games in six days um you are able to make changes and bring in players who are you know who are not a, a downgrade from the from the ones that that played in the previous game at the moment you know, a lot of the, the decisions are taken for you because Sunderland are down to, as, as I've said, you know, sort of 15, 16 players, uh, senior players. Um, and so, that, you know, that will prevent that kind of situation it's continuing. Nice to not have to firefight, isn't it? I remember last year we were doing these podcasts and we're going, well, Jay Clark, Salt L, hopefully be better than, you yeah. know, John O'Shea this week coming up. Whereas this time it's like, oh, we've got these players and, you know, an yeah. embarrassment of riches rather yeah. than just an embarrassment. I know, yeah. I know it's a, I know it's a cliche, but it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, it, it, and maybe that's why Jack Ross is humming and hawing slightly on what he wants. He, he's probably got a player in mind he really wants, and that's maybe why some of the other moves that which we've made haven't came in or came off. You know, James Wilson was a player we were definitely after, but then does he really fit the bill for what he wants? Probably not. So you know. He ended up going elsewhere, and to be fair, he probably wouldn't have been guaranteed a starting place. And that's another thing: if you're loaning a young player from a from a big club, they're going to want guarantees over whether that player starts every week, and we can't do that because we're going to have, at some point in the future, we're going to have what more back? We're going to have McGeady back, hopefully Sinclair back, and and then all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're going, we've got too many players. Um, so for me, whoever it is that we bring in, has to not just be with this season in mind. We've we've got to have maybe next season in mind too can that player contribute beyond this season um, so I wouldn't be disappointed if we didn't sign anybody I think I think the fact we're winning games is helping if we hadn't have been I might have been thinking differently but for as long as players like Maguire stay fit and, and you know that you have more players coming back um, I, you wouldn't be disappointed if they didn't sign anybody at all I week. wouldn't no. no I don't think I would be disappointed I'm not saying that I don't no, want no. us to but I just think that if we don't, it's not the end of the world. I think I think we've definitely got... It, it, well, in an ideal world, we'll have players back, but that's not counting for future injuries and, you know... That's the thing. That That's why I, I think this still is a striker short because, you know, God forbid it happens, but if Josh Maggi gets injured in training tomorrow, who do you start on Saturday up yeah, front? Yeah. Because, mm. because Wyke isn't, isn't anywhere near ready to start games so you're only one injury away at the moment from from having a problem yeah um so i think that that's why they, they need one more striker just to just to avoid that kind of problem so, so. i suppose as well uh, you've you you're talking obviously but one injury away maybe with gooch getting injured god forbid yeah. that ever happened 
We don't have another really. We don't really have another white uh, but winger. Could, do we? But you could fill that round though, couldn't you? Because you move on, you might not the right. That's not what you. That's not what you want to do. Like, you, you know what I mean? You don't. Um, and that that's also, I guess you, you you're hoping that what more comes back and is is ready and fit and firing. So, I don't I mean, think, I don't think you'll get that them. many games from Duncan this season. You know, just because he's been out. That's by the time he comes back, he'll have played what about half a dozen games in two years. Um, so I think you could probably bargain on probably only getting 20 games out of him this year. And of those 20, maybe only 10 of them will be, you know, top draw performances just because he's been out so long. Yeah, I think too, it's pace, isn't it? Yeah. He was a pace merchant and yeah. now, you know, what is his pace going to be? When he came back last time, he still looked quick. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So... You know, he might keep it, but it's just that we saw with Fraser Campbell, didn't we? You remember with Fraser Campbell, he came back, did well for, for three or four games, Got and then they dip, England. and then they dip, and and that always happens when players come back from yeah. uh, uh, you know serious injuries and yeah. run um, on adrenaline, basically. Yeah, yeah, basically, and and it's it's a well-known thing, and managers are, are are alive to that. So I think that while Duncan will come come back uh, you know the, this season I don't think you'll you'll see him back to being the Duncan of old until probably next season uh, David Smith ask, asks oh, I'm losing my words there David Smith not Smiths do we change the system to try and incorporate Wyke in the team alongside Madger or potentially drop Madger and risk unsettling him when we are likely trying to get his contract renewed so that's quite a, a loaded question but first thing first bit Wyke and Madger are they going to be playing together or do you think it'll be a you know, just options. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a very difficult question to answer. Well, the one the one thing uh, in all of this is we don't yet know when when those options are available to to the manager whether this is the system that he's going to persevere with. We don't know whether he wants to play two up, up top, you know, or, or whether he wants to to just go go in the way that he is now um, with Major leading the line or Wyke or or you know, it's it's difficult to know until we get to that point I think um, but I would suspect that Wyke will be the the main starter and Madger will either be alongside him or will be playing second, second fiddle to him I, w- I would think well, it's, it, it's interesting that when James talked earlier about the lopsided uh, formation that Jack Ross said would play two up front Maguire does I guess play sort of alongside the striker for a lot of the time Um so it's not inconceivable that Magic would do that because that's what he did quite a lot as a young player. He was he played off the left or as a ten quite a lot. He wasn't a centre forward. I remember always thinking of him as a number ten. Well, he, he technically he's very very good. He's not a, he's not a line leader. He struggles. No. I think when when anything's above his chest, he struggles. Um, but technically, very very good footballer. He's a, he reminds me a lot of like a street footballer. Um, just just got you know that raw ability to. Bring that trap a ball out of thin air, you know, and and, and turn, and he, he's he's more of a he's more of a midfielder in my eyes than a striker actually, mm-hmm. but he is a very good finisher. He's clinical, so um, it would be interesting to see whether he, he he could play that that role alongside Wyke rather than um, rather than being the main man. It would take a lot of pressure off him. Certainly, got, got a little bit of good news. Yedlin scored the late winner for Chelsea an own goal, so Ooh. Chelsea won two one. I didn't even know that there were. They were, they were neck and neck. They scored a penalty on 76, then Yosselu of all people equalised, then Yedlin got the own goal. 
So, yeah, I'm putting a smile on my face again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, lost a train of thought there, but I'll, I'll just jump on to the next question. Um, so this is for James. Does James think Jack Ross knows his best 11 when all fit? And does he think we'll go up automatically after grinding out two wins when not at our best? Again, two questions in that one as well, but best 11 we've sort of already answered. Two questions. Well, yeah, we've kind of gone gone through that. Um, as for the second part of the question, I, th- I, th- I don't see any reason why Sunderland can't um, go up as one of the top two. I think basically when you look at that table now, you, you're already seeing um, that Peterborough are going to be a massive threat this, this season. What do you make of Barnsley selling? Bradshaw that was an interesting decision yeah I found that quite odd I mean he's, I think what they've probably looked at with him is in the four game because he started every game before he left um, he got one goal whereas Kifa Mua who was signed from his switch last yeah year. Um, is doing quite well he and he's more really of a league well one for Rotherham, didn't he? and he's more of a league one player um, Bradshaw with a year left on his deal I think so they've probably looked at him and went a million quid for a player who doesn't score very much we'll have that and um, we'll deal with that um, but then they drew the weekend, mm-hmm. which is their first drop point, I think it was. It is, yeah. So. yeah, against Scunthorpe. I think we were 2 0 down, weren't they? Yeah, they yeah. came back. So they did but about... Scunthorpe sat that manager, so you've also got yeah. different things to, to think about there. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, the I know it's it's still very early days. We might, um, let's not forget, there's only five games gone, but you can only judge by what you've seen so far. And on that basis, you know, Sunderland have, have, are in with a great chance of, uh, of going up automatically. In this league, if you look back, uh, as a general rule, you need to take an average of two points a game to get one of the top two places. Yeah, I think it was like 93, 94 yeah, points. Yeah, so two points a game essentially. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Sunderland are, are ahead of that rate. So, you know, the, if they can keep keep going and, and keep to somewhere near two points per game on average, then, uh, then yeah, they've got every chance. Let's, let's not forget as well, though, that Barnsley and Peterborough and Portsmouth have had all their best players fit. Sunderland haven't. Yeah. Sunderland have got a lot of good players out injured at the minute. But Peterborough have been disposing of everybody very comfortably, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, Big win for them yesterday, 5-1 at Plymouth. Cummins is a real threat at this level. Uh, they kept Marcus Madison, who's probably the best player in the league last year. Is it a surprise that um, we didn't go for Cummins? I don't know if there was interest from Sunderland on him, but it, it was a player I think we were interested in last season, weren't we? Uh, yeah, um, before he went to Forest. I mean, he hasn't had to move very far, has he? he you know, Forest. Yeah. Yeah, those things do factor in. But um, that Lyle Taylor saw that happen. Yeah, yeah. But he's um, he's just hit the ground running there, hasn't he? And he, he, he maybe found his level, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all, the, all the League One players that come in at Sunderland and that have been asked about about it all say that consistency is the thing in this league. And obviously, Peterborough have shown consistency Sunderland have shown consistency which is why they're up at the top of the table and you know that's something that we can only judge as, as time goes on but uh, that that's going to be the, the name of the game uh, Chris Craggs would we suit a 3-5-2 away from home against teams that are direct and target putting the ball in the air uh, he's also added it makes us play deep and we look vulnerable every time the ball is in the air in our box fortunately both Jingen and Wimbledon missed excellent chances so Three five two help against direct teams, or well, we've just seen it in the last two games, which is obviously what he's what he's talking about. And yes, Sunderland, uh, you know, gave up an awful lot of chances in those two games, and uh, you know, other teams might have taken them, and and Sunderland might have, as as I said earlier, you know, might have wound up with no points from those two games. But in League One, um, you know, teams take more more chances to score goals that's just a, a fact of life and 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 so that there's a certain element that uh, uh, 
you know that 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 is the the way the way of the world at, at this level. The question is, do, do you want to keep changing your system between going home and away? Probably not. It's interesting. Do you think we've got a as a fan base a Premier League mindset in the sense that when we used to go to say Swansea away and you look at it before and you go, oh, we should we should take something there, and then you don't play great and you do get beat because of the quality. Do you think when we're going away and we're not actually playing great, we're just not used to being able to not play great and definitely no, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, there's there's still a big adjustment to be had from a lot of our supporters. I think and that probably won't come till. You know, say we get promoted at the end of the season, then people might really start to digest just how much of a transition has had to be made to get to that point. I think um, there's an element of 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 playing the team name rather than the team that's on the pitch. Yeah. So you look and you think, oh, we we'll, we'll go to Peterborough, we'll knock them over. It's Peterborough, but then Peterborough have, have won five out of five. They've got a very very good League One team. Um, it, you know it. People people tend to view it in that way, and you said with with Swansea, you know, obviously when you, when you looked at um, Swansea the first season that Sunderland played them in the uh, in the Premier League and thing, things like that, you know, I do I do think that that comes into it. You, you know, you have to deal with the reality. The reality is that now in 2018, Sunderland are uh, you know are where they are, and teams like Bournemouth are where they are. And, and history doesn't have any bearing on what happens on the pitch on a, any given day, and and that I know we can all point to fan base size, and we can point yeah. to, you know, the trophies that were won in in the past, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and all that's fine. But all that really matters on Saturday is, you know, how the two teams go on when when they lock horns, and 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 that doesn't care a fig for history or anything else. It, it, so are you, are it you is trying in, to say that Gav's not going to a Newcastle away match has no bearing on the result. <laughs> well, obviously, in that case, that that's a special case. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think in in from Sunderland's perspective, you you bang on there, like. But I think other teams probably look at us on paper and just see Sunderland and go, ooh, Sunderland away. Like Oxford aren't going to play as expansive as they did at the weekend to win the game when they come to the stadium. Like, so it's the fact of the matter they're going to come here and they're going to look at it and think, well, they're on the top sides. They've got a big stadium. There's going to be loads of fans there. How do we deal with that? And they're going to we're going to find that more often than not this season. Yeah. Teams will just come and camp in their own half. They're um, going to say Sunderland are fine. They've won four out of five. That's what they're going to yeah, say. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, I think if Sunderland had lost the first five, then Oxford might come here and and they would, it wouldn't necessarily bother them that they're coming to a big stadium yeah. with a twenty-five, thirty thousand crowd. It, it's the fact of of how you're playing and how the team's performing. Scunthorpe were overawed. I thought anyway, the first five minutes of that game, you could tell that they were not ready for the occasion. It's probably the first time they've ever played in the stadium. Yeah. I remember the first time I came to the stadium, which was um, with Bradford in uh, in the 90s. Um, You know, and at that time, I think uh, Sunderland had only been in the... I think it might have been the first year that Sunderland were in the Stadium of Light. And it was a massive thing for clubs to come there. It was a, a state-of-the-art you know, ground. Sunderland virtually never lost there, or so it seemed. You know, lost only a handful of games in the first two or three years. Um, and, and it was a massive thing. I remember Bradford leaving there one one day. I think they might have been, from memory serves, might have been Boxing Day with a goalless draw. And crikey, you know, people were celebrating in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, yeah. remember when uh, it was a John Dreher scored yeah. the winner? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, two, I think it was two thousand. Yeah, uh, it was pretty no, much one of the goals before that. Yeah, it might have been the, might have been the season before. Might have been ninety eight, ninety nine. Was no, it? No, it was the, the both in the Premier League. Was it? Yeah, because Bradford ended up staying up on the final right. day with Doug Weatherall. 
Uh, not Doug Weatherall. Is it Doug Weatherall? No, David, David Weatherall. <laughs> Doug Weatherall, one of the uh, more senior members of the press part, used to write for the Daily is that Mail. What it is? <laughs> oh, what the odds of me getting that confused there? <laughs> that was nearly good knowledge. <laughs> Bradford C. Um, Mike Smith asks, will Flanagan be fit soon? And when and when he is, can he be the answer to strengthening the defence to prevent it getting duffed up in games? Duffed um, up like that. He'll be back in amongst it by the weekend, I think, is the plan, isn't it? Same as Wyke, he, he's not far away. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was really gutted he he got injured because he, he in pre-season, he was one of the best players in the team. Um, just looks looks very, very good in in the couple of positions I've seen him play. I mean, he, he went centre mid against Middlesbrough because of Mickey Ox injury and looked even better. Um, so ball, a bit of a ball. I mean, I've never seen him play ball playing centre back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. him and yeah, he's, he's, he's versatile. My, my guess is that you know, in that lopsided three-five-two that we keep coming back to, you know, if it, he would he would have played in that instead of Donald Love as one of your three. So yeah, that would be that would be my my, th- my thoughts. Played a lot of full back for Burton. Uh, left back actually, but he's right footed. I think. Yeah, he's um, just a bit of a jack all trades, is he? Which is a good good, especially when you. Very light on yeah. on numbers. A good player to have, and um, I think you. I think yeah, he would have probably started the first game had he been fit ahead of maybe Oz Turk. Um, and it's just a shame for him that he has he has missed the first what five or six games of the season. It's just a shame because he he was comfortably one of the best players in preseason. So I've got a lot of hopes for him. Actually, I think he's. I think in his short career, he's only twenty four, twenty five. I think he's um four promotions he's had, two with Burton and two elsewhere on loan spells. So. Um, that's the kind of experience you need in your team, isn't it? Players who who've been there and done it, particularly in League One. Um, I know he's not a he's not, you know, Burton didn't seem particularly good. They would be losing him, but I bet they could do with him now. Looking at that, the amount of goals they're conceding, there's a. I think I think him leaving might have had a bigger impact than they've realised. Yeah. I think sometimes it's the grass is greener, isn't it? As a fan, you often say that, and then you see yeah. them doing well somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, they could do with a good defender at the minute. Uh, David Atkinson, I mean, we have spoken about this a little bit, but I'll, I'll, he's directed a certain point. So he says, should we be worried that teams like Wimbledon can bully us and put us off our game? We are going to come against a lot more physical teams this season. I don't know if we will come against anyone really that more physical than Wimbledon, but we did struggle. That's that, fair. That, he used the word teams like, and we can't be saying that. We've got to be realistic of the, we're a League One club, so are they. Yeah. Um, was he was he just know. meaning teams like as in terms of yeah, you know, their I, style? I, just, I, I don't mean, know. I just mean like yeah. I, th- I think we, we can't just think oh they, they don't play nice football. And all yeah. you do we as a to, fan without knowing what you do. You put all. But do you know, do you know what I mean by that though? Yeah. I think I think yeah. I think sometimes we you 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 said it earlier. You sometimes look at the name and you think oh Wimbledon. Yeah. Isn't well, Brentford have that podcast? It's teams like Brentford because everyone always puts them. <laughs> yeah, in that yeah, category. yeah. yeah th- th- there are clubs who get quite um quite offended by that. Yeah, by being called teams like yeah but no I, th- I think I think um, we I don't know how you put this really we, we've we've got a lot of good technical players and we've got a lot of hard working players and um, more often than not we'll win games against teams like Wimbledon um, because we'll just outwork them and we'll we'll, we'll you know it's a long game 90 minutes um, and we've shown more than once this season already in what six games, five games that uh, we can we can do it for the the full ninety minutes. We might have bad periods, but in that ninety minutes, but because we've got the character and because we've got the desire to to 
overturn um, deficits. We'll, we'll win the majority of games playing that way. Um, I've got no problem with that. I think, I think there, are, there are teams though in in League One. Um, you know, and Wimbledon are a good example, and I think Luton as as well were a good example. But the tall, physical, powerful, and even if you look at Sunderland's team now, even though you know with the players that have been signed this summer, you've still got players like Lyndon Gooch and George Honeyman uh, who are short, and you've got players like Lee Catamall who's probably five ten, five five eleven, something like that. You know, not giant. By, by any stretch of the imagination, and when they come up against, um, you know, players who are six two, six three, six four, of course, you you, you know, you, you have that physical mismatch there. But that doesn't mean that it's ins- insurmountable. You just have to combat it in a different way. You have to be a bit more clever about it, and you have to, um, you know, take a different approach. Uh, you know, you can't you can't ask uh, Lyndon Gooch to come up against some you know six foot four centre back. You're going to have to find another way to to get the better of him. As long as you can come up with the answers, um, then you know you don't have too much of a problem. And let's not forget that. Jack Ross's attention to details crazy. He knows exactly what you know. He, when when they put the squad together in the summer, they knew exactly the sort of teams would be facing, and he's playing a style of football which hopefully does combat that. You know, away from home, you're going to on a small pitch like Wimbledon's pretty unique in that sense. I don't think there's a lot of grounds in this league where the crowd's basically on top of you and the pitch is small, and they've built a team to play in that sort of environment. You know, they've got a lot of big players and they play long. Um, you're not going to come across that every week. I mean, you're going to come across it more often than not, I guess. But we've shown against perhaps one of the better teams that's playing in that style that we're capable of, you know, turning around, and we did. Um, so I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry about the fact that there's there's bigger teams as because at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, the, uh, we aren't going to be fearing them if we're playing well. They're going to be fearing us. They're going to be looking at our results and thinking, how do we play against Sunderland? They've already beaten teams who play a big physical style and and done it well, you know. I don't I don't worry about that. I think I think that the mentality we've got to have is that we're going to each game hoping to win, um, playing to our strengths rather than playing. We we've done that for so many years now, where we've went out and we've thought right, well they're better than us here, they're better than us there. How do we how do we combat that? We play five at the back like we did last season. I think if we'd been a little bit more confident in ourselves last season we wouldn't have went down we played too defensive for the majority of the season and it, you know it was too late by the time we started playing good football um, and this season we'll not have that problem I don't think the manager's that naive uh, Question here for James uh, Ryan would love an insight and your opinion on the previous owner and past managers so previous owner Ellis Shaw I presume your dealings were mainly with Martin Bain and- uh, yeah uh, I mean I can only speak of, of Ellis Shaw as as I find I mean uh, I probably met him maybe a dozen times over the 10 years that he was in charge on a you know, on a personal basis, in terms of his dealings with me, such as they were, which weren't weren't much beyond you know, hello, how are you, and all the rest of it. Uh, he was fine. Um, he wouldn't do any kind of uh, on the record interviews or anything of of that nature. So um, there was never an opportunity to um, ask him direct questions. The only time I think I ever came close to anything like that was chatting to him on the eve of the. Carling Cup final in 2014, when uh, we were able to, you know, have a bit of a chat over over a drink and and what have you. But there was obviously nothing that that he w- 
we were prepared to say on on the record, but it was interesting to to get a bit of a uh, more of an insight into the ways thinking was. But by that point, he'd already sort of turned off the the taps as far as the the money was concerned, and he was looking at uh, um, you know ways to sort of try and. Uh, sell the club on and, and yes yeah I'm, I mean it's been probably at that stage it was still very much the case that he was open to offers rather than he was actively so, trying so to offload it do you think he got I don't know sick of it because we've been sort of given even like Stuart Donald when he came on said that you know he was he still like has care for the club and stuff I mean what what do you think was the point where he grew sick I don't think that he doesn't that he, that he he lost he reached the point where he didn't care. I think he reached the point where where football completely baffled him. And, and in, this is just my own personal opinion, yeah. like I say. But um, I doubt he's he couldn't. Well, you never know. But um, but but uh, you know um, he couldn't quite get the idea that how much money you put in doesn't dictate how successful you are. Because in most areas of life that he's involved in um you know the more money you spend the better the outcome and in football we all know that that doesn't the money has to be spent well and even then it doesn't necessarily guarantee anything um you know look at the money that manchester united have spent but they've not managed to win win the title for four or five years have they so um i think that that kind of um you know got to him um and and you've reached a point where where he just thought enough was enough and he was prepared to carry on funding the losses, which were large, um, but he wasn't prepared to invest and try and and chase success in inverted commas anymore. Uh, and that it wasn't like that at the beginning. If you remember, he you know he gave uh, you know uh, earlier managers quite a bit of money to spend. Um, Steve Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Roy Keane. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Roy, uh, some of the Roy Keane money was was given by the by the Drummerville guys, but Ellis Short had to come in and, and pick up the the bills for that obviously because the Irish economy uh, you know headed south etc so Ellis came in and, and took over a lot of those responsibilities but again you know that that was back in those days I think Roy might have spent off the top of my head probably 70 or 80 million pounds but it didn't get the club to the next level really did it did it I mean obviously out of the the championship but it didn't get the club a foothold in you know the mid table and in the Premier League or anything like that, so I think he, he found that quite you know tough and, and baffling. And then I think once once they they made a, a really bad decision, and I think I, I think and I've written pieces and never used them actually, but I think if you look, there's a um, the point where things started to change for for me was was at the point where Martin O'Neill was given the sack because Martin O'Neill um, was sort of brought to an end the line of whatever you think of of how how they they fared there was there were sane and sensible football characters you know uh, Steve Bruce and Martin O'Neill etc etc and then suddenly there's this massive left field okay swerve with um Paolo Di Canio and then uh, you know director of football and uh, then Gus Poyer and so on and then it became short term solutions all the way along and at that point nobody was thinking there was no grand plan it was just purely about survival all the time survival change them change the manager when things start to get rough etc 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 and so all the planning went out out of the window um and I think that the people in the boardroom at that time uh, Margaret Byrne didn't manage the club well uh, and I think that a lot of the problems of the last couple of seasons 
of the after effects from from that period. And I know that in the short term they did manage to survive in the Premier League. So people thought, or probably didn't think at the time, this is t- this is terrible. I know we're sacking lots of managers, but we're still in the Premier League. But all of a sudden, all those problems came came to one. And when Ellis said, "All right, I'm not spending any any more money," then the, you know that that's what. Uh, in, in, my, in my eyes was where uh, the club started to, to sink like a stone Does it surprise you that would have fell into League One? I mean, last year going into the season I, I wrote a piece for a report saying that within a couple of years it wouldn't surprise me because we actually had a ban on using the double relegation didn't we, for a while <laughs> I, I was the first person to break that because I was like you know in a couple of years we're going to actually fall into League One because of the finances and everything else that went with it did you have that? You know, were you surprised to see? I was team? surprised. I was surprised actually. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think that Sunderland had any chance of challenging for promotion from the Championship last year. Um, I didn't think either, though, that they would be relegated. Um, I really didn't see that coming. Now, there is one person uh, whose opinion I respect, and 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 he said when Sunderland was still in the Premier League, if it said said to me, if if Sunderland go down then I can see it's going down another level as well. And I just thought, I thought, well, that's sort of alarmist talk, really. I can't see that happening. But he turned out to be right, and I was wrong. So, you know, what does, what does that tell you? But I thought Sunderland will probably end up finishing 14th, 15th last season um, and then try and rebuild from there. But obviously it was such a catastrophic start. Um, and I know, that, I know that people will point at, at Simon Grayson or this or that or the other... But I think that that by that time you, you're in such a situation that you you've got no budget to spend or next to nothing. You know, one and a quarter million pound on ten or eleven players, however many it was that came in. Um, you, you're fighting fires and you've got no budget. You're competing against championship teams that are spending you know massive amounts of money compared to that. Um, and uh, yeah, it just becomes a spiral. And you had the rotten core players in in there, you know the you know the Jillabodges and Ndongs and and these guys. And in many ways, I know it's a, it's an easy thing to say, but relegation to League One is catastrophic at the, at the time. And you know, a club like Sunderland shouldn't find itself in that situation. But if it's enabled the club to clear the decks and start from scratch and reconnect the fans with the club again, which it obviously has, then some good will come out of it and they could come back to the championship, hopefully next year, um, and be in a better position than when they went into the championship out of the Premier League. That's my feeling. Managers, uh, David Moyes is the one asked you. I presume Ryan probably wants you to call David Moyes worse than everything, but what was your dealings with him? Well, um, I think... I found David Moyes uh, easy to deal with, easy to get on with. Um, you know, he got a torrid time here. He was another um, person that, that came came in and was left in a with a squad that had to be revamped and with Ellis not giving, I mean, obviously giving more money than uh, Sunderland had spent last year, but still in Premier League terms, nowhere near what it needed. And I think when you look at it, you, you could see that there's a pattern emerging. Um, you know, Sam Allardyce had no intention of staying because he, he was very clear. We, we said said to Sam towards the end of that, that season, what, what's going to happen here? Are you going to, going to stay? And he said, I'll speak to the owner, see what the, what the plan is, and then make my decision. 
he spoke to the owner and immediately thought, I'm out of here. Now the England job came along, so that was an easy route for him, but he wouldn't have stayed. Even if the England job hadn't been available, he would have wound up somewhere else. So even Sam, on that budget, didn't fancy trying to change the squad to the extent that, that he needed to. And so David Moyes came in, had that budget, couldn't change the squad in the way that it needed to to, to turn things around. Yeah, he signed some poor players like Jillabodji and, and Dong. Um, um, yeah, um, but you know, you can't get away from that. There were some poor players came in, but what happens is you get into a into a scenario where a lot of the decisions are uh, not forced on you, but you're forced into a set of circumstances. So Sunderland are in this constant battle against relegation. Um, that means that you can't. The players that you want to come won't come because they see Sunderland as a, as a uh, you know, as a, as a basket case, they don't know whether the manager they're signing for is going to be in charge in six months' time. Uh, the players that you can get, you have to overpay for. Um, you know, and so all all these factors come together. So you end up not getting the not signing the players that you want to sign, but signing the players that you can get. And and I think that you know that's been a massive problem with uh, with Sunderland over the last two seasons. But it's changed now because suddenly in League One, um, Sunderland are, are a big draw, and players will will come to Sunderland. There are, there are players here, you know. Um, look at some of the lads that have joined this summer, and Sunderland are the biggest club they will ever play for. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a big step forward for them. I mean. Um, you know, I, and, and and that's a good thing. I, th- I think you know that you're signing players who who see coming here as a step up. Whereas in the last two, three, four years, um, you know, another one, one player, I'll give you Fabio Barini. They thought they were doing Sunderland a favour by coming here. You know, they, they sort of felt like they were lowering themselves to to sort of come and help you out for uh, for twelve months. Um, and that's not the kind of person that you want at your football club. No, yeah, I hear that. What about? Who was the the worst one to deal with? Or you worst manager to deal with? Um, well, uh, most of the managers in recent times, probably going back to um, you know as far back as David Moyes, have been good to deal with. Um, there was a spell of managers um, before that, Di Canio and Gus Poyet um, and Dick Avocat. They're all they're all good in a press conference environment, they, but they don't want any kind of relationship beyond that. You know the, and prior to that, you know you have to go back probably as far as uh, Peter Reid to to find a manager who was interested in in you know um, having a a good relationship with the the local media. You mean like Steve Bruce? Uh, sorry, Steve Bruce as well. Sorry, yeah. Steve Bruce an, an exception, but there but the others um, weren't really. They, they were they were fine and they would they would deal with you, but no more than they had to. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's it's a bit of like the old school thing. So Reedy and Steve Bruce and and people. Yes, I thought Sam Allardyce would be different. Maybe Sam, if he thought he was going to stay longer, maybe he would have made more of an effort in that direction. So it's interesting that Allardyce took it. Then if he never ever had any, or was it just because he had that massive pay in his contract? If you're going to be blunt, is do you think that's why he came? I think it was the start of Fireman Sam, wasn't it? It was the start of you know Sam Allardyce is the man to get you out of trouble mm-hmm. when uh, when you uh, uh, you got you're facing relegation or possible relegation um, you know and he's done it at various clubs since hasn't he um, he's, he's not thick is he I mean he, he does the same thing every year he waits till a club needs him yeah and 
probably negotiates a good wage with a good bonus if he keeps them up. Wasn't he the highest paid manager last year? Didn't he, didn't he <clears> wangle <throat> himself a ridiculous like eight million pound contract? If he kept them up? Well, it wouldn't surprise me because they, you know, they said no to him in the summer, and then of course when they sacked Ronald Koeman, they then had to come come back to him. So he said, well, you know. <laughs> I'm now a lot more expensive than I would have been before, and you know, because your your need is greater. He's not daft. Final question, Jordan Davis. Now this is his words, not mine. Uh, Could you ask James if he has become less dour now we have won a few games? (laughs) Less dour? Am I dour, lads? I'm looking around the room. Dour today. I think. I think probably. um, Sorry, was it Jordan? Did you say? Jordan Davis. Jordan. Yeah, I think probably what Jordan's referring to is a bit of a combination of two factors. First is that. You know, I'm a Yorkshireman, so you, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm never, <laughs> never necessarily a, a barrel of laughs. You know, also, also, I think um, covering the club for uh, for well, this is my twentieth season, and the last six years have been uh, pretty difficult, as uh, I'm sure fans fans would agree. You know, I think it has an effect on you, and so it makes you a bit cautious, and you don't want to jump into anything with both feet because. Um, you know, you don't know yet whether it's whether it's the real deal. I really hope it is. I really, really hope it is. You know, I think I think you know, all you know the the fans certainly deserve it, and 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 the club uh, deserves a, a change of fortune. Um, but I don't want to get too carried away just because. Leave you know, you, we'll, we'll well, get carried away. <laughs> you know, you, well, you just got to be a, be a, a little bit cautious because you never you never quite know. But hey, there'll be nobody happier than me if if thing if this trajectory continues because it's it's fantastic and as I said to you earlier it's a much happier football club to be around and, see, and I'll, that'll reflect on me yeah. <laughs> you are smiling I smile quite a bit today. I can't vouch that uh, who you, do you support initially is it Bradford I don't have a team um, oh you don't have it you must have one I don't have a team um, I'm I'm from Bradford uh, Bradford is my local club and it's the club that I uh, went to see you know when I could uh, on Saturdays when I was growing up, um, just because it was it was a local team. But I, I was never a Bradford fan. Don't have a Bradford shirt or a scarf or anything of that nature. I covered Bradford for five years um, when I was down there. But yeah, I, I don't have a team. So that's interesting. Like my dad's the same. He doesn't really have a team. Just likes watching football. I, mean, he's got- I love watching football. I love watching good football. Um, it doesn't necessarily bother me too much. Uh, you know who that is that I'm watching. I used to love watching Arsenal. Love watching Barcelona. You know I love watching great teams. I love watching Manchester City now. But without the sort of absolute misery if things if things go against you. Fair play. Okay, I think we're all just about done. Oh, actually, no, we haven't actually previewed next week's game, so we'll have a quick score prediction for next week's game against uh, Oxford. We're going to win seven <laughs> again. It would be nice, wouldn't it? To repeat that. Imagine feed. that. I like, it would be. I would be. I might actually put a pound on that. Well, that, that game, that game was an interesting one because the week before Kevin Phillips got injured against Chester in the cup. Oh, we're playing with um, Diggio and Bridges, weren't we? Yeah. So we had no super Kev, and everyone was worrying, and then we just went out and absolutely mullered Oxford. Um. So they've not really got happy memories of coming to Sunderland. No. Um, I think Methvin was here, wasn't he? I'm sure he said he was at that game. That's an interesting, traject- uh, you know, little side story as well that the owners are Oxford fans. I'm sure there'll be massive Sunderland fans on the day, of course. That's what they said. They were asked that who would you be supporting them when Oxford come here, and they did say, "Oh, Sunderland, of course." Oxford. But yeah. uh, you know, I think you all know that if, it, if it's your team, then you it'll, it'll be certainly they'll be feel conflicted on the day. But I'm sure they'll want Sunderland to win, won't they? Yeah, Surely. So anyway, you yeah, still give a prediction. Um, I think it'll be a I think it'll be another. 
dominant performance, I think. Well, a Scunthorpe. Well, they they I know they, they they got a better result of the weekend, but they've had a poor start, and they're gonna they're gonna be very cautious coming here. So I think it might take us a while to break them down, but I think three 0 is probably realistic. I think we're gonna. Thing is, I'm glad Oxford won because you saw that. Like, oh yes, yes, if definitely. They, if they continue losing, like, you can't lose every game. So at some point, you're keeps gonna... us on our toes as well. As well, the players can't just think this is the worst team in the league. Yeah, you know. So I, I reckon, I reckon three 0 and I think, I think we'll hopefully see. Uh, White get on the pitch, uh, which would be good for the home crowd to see the the star summer sign and come on, yeah. Um, and yeah, keep the winning run going. I don't think there's any reason to to doubt the team at the minute. I think we're doing fantastic. Two big home games coming up. To be fair, Fleetwood after that. So that that's probably the more interesting game because they've had a couple of good wins. I think they absolutely yeah, battered we'll, someone. We'll worry about that one next week. Yeah, after we've beaten there. But yes, you can you can only think of the game ahead, and yeah. uh, I think we'll do all right. James, what yep. do you think? Uh, yeah, uh, much of what Gav said, I think two or three nil would be my guess. I'm notoriously bad at predicting score lines, but uh, that, you know, I'll have to hang my hat on something and go for that. I mean, if you were good at it, you'd be a millionaire because you'd bet on everything. Well, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Although yes. I think I won both my Roger Riches this week. Did you? Just saying. For the first time ever. I, I haven't even checked mine, but I had a good win last week. Yeah, I had Sun. I had over two and a half goals in the Sunderland game, and I had Liverpool and Arsenal win. So I had so. I had Sunderland to win and over two and a half goals, and I had a, a four fold, which I don't think did very well. But um, I was the champ last year, so that's true. Yeah, if anyone listening wants betting tips, I just, just throw fifty pound on everything every week. And the <laughs> um, okay, so thanks for coming on, James. It's been a pleasure talking. Probably could have stretched yep. this over the. One hour and thirty-two minutes we've went. Thank you Gav, very much. It's always average to have you on. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for so filling in actually because you weren't scheduled. Wasn't no no. Um, I've um I've got some hungry people back at home. I need to feed right now. I'm getting phone calls and texts. Well, you like the cook? Like are you the chef? Uh no, it's just it's a takeaway night, isn't it? Sunday. So. Oh, they've got to wait for you. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. I'll just keep it this dragon on now, just yeah. so you know. I've you already know. had. I've got two missed calls, so. Right. The, the hunger levels must be going through the roof. Okay, well, so we'll just—I'll just slowly close my iPad. And just keep, <laughs> keep, actually, to be fair, you could leave. I mean, I could at any moment. You know, hold right. this hostage. Uh, so yeah, follow everyone on Twitter and Instagram. I'll even say it now because you all know talk report and at gav eighteen seventy nine. Yeah, yeah. gav no Instagram. I'm trying to ram that up a bit. I have done on Instagram. Yeah. on your Instagram. Top, no, no, the the wrote report one. Oh, the wrote report. Top Instagram has these days, man. Yeah, we are. I do check it. Oh, I like yeah, the stories. Yeah. James, even you, you were just on Twitter. Are you got Instagram? Uh, I, I have got Instagram, but I don't really use it. So You're a picture uh, guy. N- um, not really. I just no. put them on Twitter. I don't know whether I get any value out of Instagram. I don't know. Do you spend much time on Twitter? Do you, do you read your news feed constantly and your notifications? Not constantly, but uh, yeah, probably you know. Uh, a fair bit of time, but but I'm not one of these people who's up at four o'clock in the morning checking out <laughs> driving up to the wall. It's, it's interesting that on there. Uh, obviously, I've only just started looking at Instagram, and it's interesting you can see who's been checking it and stuff. And Lynn and Gooch what read uh, every single photo which goes up. Um, Michael Ledger and Grant Ledbetter as well. Yeah, they're That's on. Interesting. Yeah, they look at everything. We put I up. remember Grant Ledbetter being linked. Yeah, he's been playing for Borough though, so I don't think. Has he? Yeah, he played on Friday. Mm, right. I'm I'll, sure he did. Because whenever sure I check his Instagram story, he's always on holiday somewhere. I thought he'd be injured. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he played. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I saw him. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong about a few things today. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, thanks for coming on, everyone. All those pictures next Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.